Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS. And I'd like to introduce the host of this week's episode. He's the editor of Business West. Here's Joe Bednar. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Business Talk. We have a great show for you today, but first we have this important message from our sponsor, People's Bank. Thank you for listening to the Business Talk podcast, sponsored by People's Bank, bringing you the best in business experts, entrepreneurs, and evangelists. Make Business Talk your innovation break for ideas and inspiration. People's Bank, where commercial banking can fuel your growth and make work life easier. Member FDIC, DIF Equal Housing Lender. Bank at peoples.com slash business. Okay, we're back. And as promised, we have a great show for you today. Our guest is Maria Rivera, Executive Director of the Hospice of the Fisher Home in Amherst. Happy to have you here on Business Talk, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, So everything we talk about today is going to spring from the first basic question, and that is, what is hospice care and what is it not? Well, hospice care is a team of people who um, their whole aim is to support people with life-limiting illnesses throughout um, the community and to make sure that they feel that they have a group of people surrounding them, helping them during a really challenging time. It, um, I, I think I got this, this uh, verbiage from your website that the Hospice of the Fisher Home is the only independent nonprofit hospice in Western Mass. Yeah, so actually we're the only hospice residents in Western Massachusetts. Oh, wow. um, and then our program that goes throughout the Tri-County area taking care of people in their own homes or assisted living or uh, skilled nursing facilities um, we are actually a nonprofit uh, hospice, and we're also um, not affiliated with any hospital system. So that's what the freestanding part means. <laughs> so, so what um, what types of services do you offer um, in in, in w- whether it's um, at the at the residence or in people's homes? I mean, what is what is the experience like for somebody who's in hospice care? Yeah, that's a good question. So, there's. A, t- a hospice team, which consists of a medical director, um, nurses, CNAs, social work, spiritual counselor, bereavement counselor. So all of those people are covered under the hospice benefit. So hospice is an insurance benefit. So if you're having hospice in the place that you live, there's no charge to the patient or family. So it's an insurance benefit that all of those people act as a safety net for the people who are facing the challenging time or the facing their, their illness. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is that um, any equipment that people might need, any medications that are related to their diagnosis are also all covered under the hospice benefit. Mm. So it's a really, it's, it's a benefit that can start six months before you think that that may be the end of your life. And so people don't take advantage of it early enough because it really is so helpful to people. It provides so much support. In, in what types of ways? I mean, what, what types of, uh, of services um, are, are people able to access through hospice? So all of the team of people that I just mentioned all meet once a week. Well, Fisher Home meets once a week. And they talk about every aspect of that patient's care. So basically mm-hmm. they talk about not only, you know, medication management, not only, you know, the social things that are happening with them, not only, you know, what things we could do to make their life better. So really the focus of hospice is, okay, people are, have been going through treatments, going through hospitalizations, going through all of these things. And they've made the decision when they sign on to hospice, okay, I just want to live out however much of my life that I have left right now with 
dignity and with comfort. And that is the whole goal of hospice. And so that's that's what all those people are working towards for, for that family. It's a, a real safety net, just holding those people and saying, okay, then whatever you you need that's going to make your life better or that's going to make your quality of life better, that's what we're all here to support and do. Gotcha. Now, the Fisher Home, as I understand it, um, has been around for more than a century, most of that time as a residence for elderly women. And it became an end-of-life care facility around 2004. Um, do I have that correct? And, and, and what should our listeners know about, about the uh, facility's history and its evolution, especially in recent years? Uh, yeah, you're, you got your history correct there. It was a home for aged women. They, they, women would pool their resources and be able to have the care that they need in, in the residence if they work together. So that's kind of a beautiful history. Um, and then it was donated to um, the hospice of the Fisher home in 2004. Um, and the doors actually opened to the hospice residence in 2006. So there was a little time in there to make it happen. Um, but, uh, you know, the people who started the hospice, they had it in mind that they really wanted to have a place that sometimes people just can't stay at home or they can't stay the place there. They need 24 hour expert hospice care. And so that was their aim, that that really needed to be a, a, a part of Western Massachusetts. And so that's sort of how the Hospice of the Fisher Home came to be. And then we've been doing that special care ever since. And people, a lot of people are unaware that we, we're existing here in Amherst. But, you know, it's interesting because we are the only hospice residents in all of Western Massachusetts. And we serve over 200 people every year. So, oh. you know, it's it's people who may be on our services in the community. And then they may have some sort of pain crisis or some sort of um, family caregiver breakdown or some something that comes up for them that they need that 24 hour care. And then they, and then they get scooped up, brought into the residence. We sort of get them back to their baseline and then they go back to where they live. Sometimes it's people who say, okay, when I get to this certain point in my disease process, I don't want to be at home anymore. And so those people come in to stay with us for good. And some people say, no, right from the time that I sign on to hospice, I want to I want to stay at the hospice residence. And that's fine, too. So there's 24 hour uh, hospice trained people there, nurses, CNAs, and of course, all the other people that I described. So it's really um, a supportive environment for people who need a little uh, extra support. It's a great explanation. I appreciate it. you know, as the demographics in the U.S. continue to skew older, um, do you feel like more people are becoming aware of the benefits of hospice and the fact that there is an insurance benefit that they can um, access? And, and what would you tell someone who might um, either have misconceptions about it or not not really know um, that that's available? Yeah. Well, I've been doing hospice for a long time, um, I think since 2010. And so things have changed. At first, people used to think, oh, you know, I don't want to sign on to hospice. That means that I'm giving up. And that means that I am going, they're going to give me a bunch of morphine and then I'm just going to die soon. When you sign on to hospice, all you're signing on for is that there's going to be support for you and and your family members. So I think that perception has really changed. People are more aware of what hospice is and that they've had more experiences with hospice because hospice has now been around longer. So more people have word of mouth experience with hospice that, you know, people come to me all the time and say, oh, you know, I don't know what I would have done without the hospice team. Uh, You made a really challenging time so much less terrible. And that's, that's the aim. 
That's um, interesting you say that. I was actually going to use uh, some of the same language in, in my next question, which is, you know, during what is almost certainly a difficult time um, in families' lives, kind of focus a little bit on on, on the benefit to, to the family, um, you know, because caregivers have their own uh, their own stresses. And, and, and tell me how, um, you know, kind of reiterate, I, I guess, how, how hospice really um, impacts, the whole, benefits the whole family um, through the process. Yeah, much like the beginning of life, the end of life des deserves all of that kind of respect the whole family gets. And so, yes, I'm so glad that you brought up how hard it is for caregivers because it's a it's a 24-hour, seven job. At some point, you're doing so much to to try to care for the person. And it's a it's a lot, even if there's a few family members that are sharing the the weight of it, it's still it's a lot to to do. And and it it doesn't go away, you know? And yeah. so basically what hospice does is say, okay, you know what? Here's a bunch more people that are going to help you do these things, you know? And, you know, so you, your, your nurse comes in and, you know, does some of the caregiving and some of the man medication management and all those things. There's a CNA that can come in and say, okay, I'm going to do the care this morning. I'll give mom a shower. I'll mm -hmm. feed dad lunch, whatever the case might be. Um, the social worker is there to, to not only support, um, the emotional part of everything, but also there's logistics too of the family members that they need help with. Um, they may be in an existential crisis. Well, there's a spiritual counselor there that can walk you through and sit with you and 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 hold space for you when you're having that moment. So, and then of course, our bereavement counselor stays with your family for 13 months after you you pass away. So basically it lets the dying person know that they're not just leaving their family and that's it. You're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. We're talking today with Maria Rivera, Executive Director of the Hospice of the Fisher Home. Um, Maria, I, I do want to um, get to um, um, uh, your organization's capital campaign, which I think is an important thing to talk about. But first, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I know you have a nursing background. You've been with the Hospice of the Fisher Home since around 2011, Executive Director for the last few years. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you got into the healthcare field to begin with, and then what eventually um, drew you to um, staying in hospice care. I always wanted to be a nurse. My grandma was a nurse, and uh, we have a lot of nurses in our family. Um, we are caregivers by nature, I think, in our family. And so um, I actually came to the hospice of the Fisher Home quite by accident. I was working for an, a nursing agency that kind of sends you around as, uh, you know, here or there, wherever they're short. And the second that I got to the hospice of the Fisher home, I just knew that I was home. The people that were there were so loving and there was so much time and love to give to each individual. And the culture of the Fisher home was that of really putting patients and families first and always trying to give them whatever that they, whatever that they wanted or needed. And that would just seem so special to me, you know, and it's still, is special to me. Um, and I'm so glad that that culture has continued throughout time. And um, in becoming the executive director uh, three years ago, um, I that was one of my most important things is that I never want that culture that the founding people who started the hospice um, put into place and that we carry with us now to all of our community patients that we take care of. We take that same Fisher home culture of love and we bring it out to the community. So um, yeah, it's it's just a really special place. 
Now, I understand, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that, that uh, the Hospice of the Fisher Home is currently in the middle of a capital campaign uh, to raise funds for some critical renovations at the uh, Amherst residence. Um, so tell me about those needs and why, the, why they're so critical. Yes, it has been a particularly difficult year, for sure. So for a while, we've been putting off our our critical infrastructure needs. It's really hard to do that kind of work when people are, um, you know, dying in, in the building. So, you know, and living in the building, I should say. So um, basically, we were just trying to sort of limp along as we as we went and fixed things a little bit along the way. But it came to the point where the aging building just couldn't safely house uh, patients and families anymore or our our team. Um, so we really ended up needing to have to um, replace our heating and ventilation systems and our generator and some big ticket items that, you know, uh, we just couldn't put off any longer. So our patients were relocated and we um, embarked upon that work. And, and, and I'm, I'm told by someone else in your organization that the renovations will also allow you to receive some kind of certification to accept private insurance. I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because that's stage two of the the whole plan is that the residents of the Hospice of the Fisher Home right now is typically privately paid. We do we do budget a good amount of money every year to help subsidize people who may not be able to pay the full room and board payment or may not be able to pay the room and board payment at all. Um, so, but that money only goes so far. And what's really important to us is that we broaden access to the Fisher Homes loving care to the greater community. Um, you know, not everybody has $475 a day to pay for any kind of nursing facility or a hospice residence. So um, yes, stage two of the renovation is to upgrade the building to make sure that we can move forward with um, becoming licensed as an inpatient facility so that we can uh, enable our patients and families to use private insurances or mass health. So definitely important work. Um, considering that, how can people donate to the campaign or get involved? Yes, you can go to our website, which is www.fisherhome.org. And there's a donate button right there. Um, also, I just want to remind everybody that we have a hospice shop um, on University Drive and that it's a it's a shop that takes in donations and that um, uh, lightly used items and uh, housewares and then it, they're sold all proceeds to benefit the Hospice of the Fisher Home. So you can also donate your things there or um, shopfisherhome.org is the um, is the online version of that store if you're into that. Um, but also, yeah, just um, go to our website and and hit that button. You know, any little amount of money that you can give helps. We are a, a small organization. We're working really hard to make this work. And we want to be here when you or somebody you know inevitably needs us. And we just want to make sure that we keep this special thing going. It's a really a gem in our community. So anything that anyone could do to help would be greatly appreciated. Again, it's fisherhome.org. No, and in, in reading about your work, and I and um and I have re read about it, and even written about a little bit about it over the years. Um, it just seems like at the heart of it is really quality of life. Um, you know, kind of getting back to the whole um, you know, people being in a challenging, um, maybe a difficult spot in their lives, just kind of giving them some kind of quality of life, dignity. I mean, how how passionate are you about that aspect of this? It's the most important thing. <laughs> it's the most important thing. 
you know, I, I can't tell you how important it is for people to be seen as the whole person that they are and to be living the end of their life the same way that they've lived the rest of their life with, you know, love and respect and with people listening to them and with them being in charge of their own story and their own journey. And that's when we all want that, right? Yeah. So it's the, it's the most important thing. It's like, like it's very clear. Um, just talking to you, how gratifying this work uh, is to you and um, while you're, while you've been there Absolutely. for all those years. <laughs> I know people always say, Oh, you know, how do you work in hospice? That must be so depressing. It must be so sad. And it's like, depressing and sad it's the most wonderful work in the world you get to say yes to the things and you know support people and they're allowing you the honor of of sharing that amazing part of the life's journey with them i mean how how could that be a, a depressing you know <laughs> it's really it's an honor really we're just about out of time, but I do want to remind everyone of um, how to support the capital campaign. You can visit um, www.fisherhome.org and donate there. Um, uh, Fisher Home also has a, um, a shop on University Drive in Amherst, or you can visit that online at shopfisherhome.org. Did I get that right? You sure did. All right. Um, it was uh, such a pleasure having you on today to talk about uh, the important work you're doing at the Fisher Home. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, you're wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful. And thanks to all of you for tuning into Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. I'm Joe Bednar, the editor of Business West, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.